welcome to the second edition of the YPTE podcast. Now with me today, I have Charlotte and Sinclair, who are two of YPTE's young trustees. Um, so first of all, I'd like to ask Charlotte, how did you get involved with the Young People's Trust in the first place? Um, well, I entered the 2000 Words to Change World competition. Um, and I wrote about um, like how we can limit rising temperatures as like as a planet in general. Um, and um, I was like one of the joint winners, which I was quite surprised by. But and then I got involved as a young trustee, which was great. Yeah. So excellent. Yeah, it was a really, really good um, piece of writing, actually. And it would definitely be worth anybody going and taking a look at that if they'd like to. You can find it on the YPT website under the Young People's Voices section if you scroll right the way down to the bottom of the page. And um, Sinclair, how about you? Well, it was pretty much through Googling that I found you guys because I was trying to look, do some like work experience and get involved with some actual charity around the environment. And then after a bit of Googling, I found you guys and I saw that you had other young trustees and I hadn't seen that platform before. And that was a really nice. And then I decided to send Peter an email, very welcoming. And then a kind of a sort of interview, I guess, with the whole team. And that was really, really fun. Cool. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it was it was brilliant that you reached out like that. Um, and uh it's great that you've got so involved already because you've only been with us for a few months, but you're really sort of jumping in their feet first and, and getting really involved. And again, Sinclair actually has a piece in the Young People's Voices section, um, which is all about laboratory grown meat and is a, a really interesting read as well. So um, back to Charlotte, how long have you been interested in the environment? Um, I think I think I've kind of first found out about climate change and the environment in about year three, and we had to do this kind of uh, research PowerPoint or word art kind of project. I don't know what it was in 2011 or something. Um, and we had to do this thing on like rising sea levels, which was the only kind of thing we were introduced to, to do with climate change. And I was trying to like calculate how long it would take our playground to be flooded and stuff, which is it's a bit dark, but I didn't know um, how else it affected the world other than rising sea temperatures at that point which I think is a bit of an issue with how it's being taught but um, I think from then when I did find out more I began to get like progressively more interested from that point yeah right okay yeah I mean it's it is something that's still a bit of a failing in schools I think that the, um, you know <laughs> the teaching on climate change is patchy in some places it's really good in other places not so much and it, you know the teachers don't get trained on this either which is a real big issue at the moment Sinclair what about you and your interest in the environment when did it start for you yes without me knowing the initial interest was in like the in like wildlife as soon as I could start walking because I love playing sports uh, specifically you know football and tennis and just being outdoors and being with nature is like just something I absolutely love so that's where it probably initially stemmed from but then it was actually like only in year nine, like four years ago, then I started properly getting interested in the impacts of climate change. And then after watching like a few Attenborough documentaries and speaking to other students about it, then I was like, OK, wow, this is an issue which is affecting us currently and going to really impact our lives. And we need young people to kind of step up now. And I was like willing to do that. And I'm just, I just find it like very shocking, but it's something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess my my interest probably started 
back probably quite late actually i i was instructing on residential courses with groups of kids from schools mainly um from when i was about 16 onwards and it was only then and when i was seeing the way that what i was teaching them about the environment was actually making a difference to them and changing attitudes and and changing their approach completely to what what they felt about nature that's what got me interested and by 18 I was really hooked and then from then on I kind of knew what I wanted to do um but yeah it came kind of late for me which is a bit weird but there you go (laughs) um so for both of you but let's start with Charlotte was there a defining moment was there that that sort of that time where you thought this is so important taking care of our planet is just something that we really absolutely have to do did that happen to you or um i think it was kind of over the summer leading up to the climate strike when there was all this focus on brexit and stuff and but it seemed like the government were completely ignoring climate change like even being a thing and they like prorogued parliament and everything for brexit which at the time I just felt like <laughs> like there were bigger crises possible. Not to say that Brexit isn't an issue and a crisis, but um, it was really irritating as a young person seeing so little being done. And then, so I, I sent, not angry, but I sent quite a long email to my headmistress about the climate strike and that I wanted to go on it, which is, again, not necessarily because you're going to be striking from school so I didn't need permission but I wrote a really long email anyway um and I think from there I think that's when I started to get really involved in it and actually being at the climate strike with other people from my school and being around like thousands of other young people who were really angry and passionate about um climate change and the lack of action that was going on was probably like the most important moment for me yeah yeah because there is still I think that fear, it's a slight feeling of helplessness, isn't there, around it, which is a, a big problem. What about you, Sinclair? Did, was there that defining sort of lights on moment for you? I don't think there was a like one specific defining moment, but definitely when like the passion came was in year nine, we had to do this like spoken GCSE like oral assessment and we had to do research into like and a few articles around an issue we uh, wanted to know more about. And then I found, I came across. I think come across, but climate change is what I wanted to do more uh, research into. And then actually looking at kind of the long-term impacts on like wildlife, on uh, different animals and humans and people being like millions of people being displaced in the future by the um, externalities of it just really made me uh, interested in the topic. And then that kind of woke me up and I wanted to see like how I can help. And then it kind of leads back to finding YPTE to see uh, what I could do. Brilliant. Yeah, I think the when you, when you start looking into environmental issues, the interconnectedness of it all is something that it, it's really striking. And, you know, there are no simple answers because every question is much more complicated than perhaps it first seems. And um, so that's, that is always an issue. But in terms of individual actions and thinking, because, you know, if you look at it, in the big picture too much it can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming um but in terms of individual actions have you done anything in your own life to try and reduce your sort of carbon footprint your environmental footprint if you like and we'll start with charlotte um i suppose like i try not to eat meat very often i eat corn a lot um and then also like in terms of just consuming stuff in general i feel like as a teenager there's a lot of pressure to buy things you're always like on social media there's a lot of advertisement just for everything um so just trying not to buy stuff because 
it's so much of it is unnecessary there's so much unnecessary plastic that's like advertised to you all the time um yeah just like trying to stay away from fast fashion and all the kind of plastic stuff and then also just kind of looking into recycling and how you can make the most of it like i only found out like the other day that with like easter eggs the foil you have to like scrunch up into something almost bigger than a tennis ball so that the like recycling machines can process it properly i did know that so i guess just trying to like make sure that my recycling is as good as it can be and not buying unnecessary rubbish right okay yeah yeah that's a really good point on not buying the stuff that you really you know well the world likes to convince you that you need but actually you don't um and i think that's that's a really important message uh what about for you sinclair have you made any changes with definitely being aware of like consumption like you don't need to upgrade your phone every year like phones Mm. can last five years you can replace the parts etc and then on kind of like dieting like i do like my meat like i'm very interested in it but I've, I've limited how much like red meat I consume to maybe like once a week or once every two weeks and then replacing that with fish because I did try corn and some substitutes, but they were really rubbish. Um, <laughs> and I do, I do like flavor, but um, yeah. Yeah, I can, I get you with corn. I actually really enjoy it, but you do need to add something to it. I think if, if you don't have, because it sucks up flavor really well but you've got to have something there to make it happen. So I tend to put like teriyaki sauce or soy sauce or something in there with it. And it just gives it that bit of a lift. But yeah, I agree. If you just have corn as your sort of basic corn, there's not a lot of flavor going on, is there? Um, But um, yeah, I mean, and red meat is, is of course, a a sort of a major issue. Um, It's one that I fight a battle with with my kids um, because they like their burgers particularly and trying to limit that and keep it down to a really sort of low level and they hate having spaghetti bolognese with like chicken or turkey mince Um, but I would say three times out of four in a month it's going to be chicken or turkey and sometimes sacrilegious it's actually corn which they um, they really don't like but hey you know they've got to learn and um, so yeah it's important so it's nice to know that you're um, you're sort of doing stuff already um, that helps and Charlotte do you have a favorite eco hero um, I think probably one of my favourite eco heroes is Autumn Peltier. She's like a water ambassador for the UN. Uh, she's from Canada, and she's kind of talked at loads of UN summits and stuff. And she's, I think she's like sixteen, and she's quite young. And she's been involved in kind of um, water pollution and environment stuff from a really young age. And it's just really amazing seeing someone so young take like such direct action on their local community on and a really wide scale as well. Um, and actually being listened to and given a platform. So, yeah. Cool. Um, Sinclair, do you have a particular eco hero? The two that come to mind are definitely David Attenborough, because just like he's still working into his 90s, which is mm-hmm. incredible. And he's like spanned for like six generations. And I think he's inspired millions and millions of people. And without him, I really wouldn't know where we would be now. And then the second person who may be a bit more surprising would be Bill Gates, just kind of the excitement and innovation that he brings because he's doing like loads of research and funding research into like different renewable energy projects. And he's the founder of this company called like Terra Power, which are developing like a new type of nuclear power and energy storage. And I just feel like, and they're also um, committing to like offset 
uh, all of Microsoft's carbon emissions by like 20, 2030 or something. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's really yeah. Bill Gates is a slightly more unusual one in terms of eco heroes. And have you have you read his latest book yet? The, I've bought about... it. Um, <laughs> it's right next to me here. But hey, I'm there you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know. I've, I haven't read it myself yet, but I know that a couple of our trustees have, and they've been really impressed by it. They thought it was really interesting with um, what it had to say. So, um, I, well, I won't ask for your recommendation yet, as you haven't read it. But perhaps a bit later on, you could maybe um, give us a review that we could put up on the website or something about it after you've read it. And um, if you've enjoyed it, hopefully, it'll encourage loads of people to um, to take a look. So this next question for you both is not necessarily an environmental one. Um, it's just purely who is your biggest inspiration? So it, it, in your life in general, it doesn't have to be an environmental thing. Um, I think probably one of my biggest inspirations are like the leaders and children at my local brownie unit. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so it's just because they spend so much of their time like giving back to the local community and also they're just like really amazing people and they've got so much energy. And like whenever I go on like the Zoom meetings for it, I'll be really tired like after online school or something. And they've got all this energy even though they've got like maybe they've got like full-time jobs in the NHS and they're still giving up their time to for free to volunteer with children and like inspire them about issues like the environment and other things um yeah it's just very inspiring yeah that's that's really cool it's nice that it's it's not a kind of a big name in some ways as well that it's just you know people but people yeah. doing really great things um and Sinclair what about you for me it's definitely my grandfather like he's probably the biggest inspiration in my life because Ooh. I definitely would not be, neither my family would be in the situation we were today. And we're very fortunate because of him. And he immigrated to the US where like my mum's from, from Greece um, by himself uh, with his brothers and sisters who later died a couple weeks. And he was didn't have much money, had to work many jobs. And he managed to earn a wrestling scholarship to Yale University, completely funded and then he later built his own um shipping company but then after that he got into a skiing accident and became completely paraplegic uh when he was 50 and then had to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life but he still continued to uh create quite a large shipping business um but at the same time raise a family wow that is really impressive and yeah it's just another one of those those people that not many people know about but did something really amazing with their life um and that is just yeah so cool um yeah i think you know there are there are so many people who don't get famous but who do amazing things and you know, there's, it's nice to know there are people who appreciate them out there as well like like you and charlotte and that's brilliant okay back to the environment what do you think and i think i probably know what the answer is from both of you for this but what do you think is the biggest challenge facing future generations um well charlotte yeah <laughs> sorry you first climate change i thought you might yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a pretty big one um sinclair are you the same on that one uh let me think of, yeah definitely yeah <laughs> yeah I think, you know, for, for young, I mean, we haven't actually explained, I said you're young trustees, but I believe you're both 17. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, 
you know, people in in your generation uh, have big, big challenges ahead. I think you know the 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 twenty um, tw- the, well, yeah, the the two thousands, if you like, to twenty one hundred is going to be a very challenging time for the human race um and i think a lot of it hinges on what we can manage to do between now and 2030 um because we really have to make a start on you know changing things otherwise we're going to have problems so i mean leading on from that question what do you think the best ways are to tackle the issue that we have charlotte um i think I think there needs to be a real shift in the way people see kind of consumerism and like the whole kind of capitalist, everyone needs to go out and make as much money as possible and amass as much stuff as possible in like more developed countries. Um, I think it's just because it creates a huge kind of climate injustice across like the planet in general. And it's a real issue that needs to change because I think especially within the education system, there's not enough on kind of climate change and how it influences how it will be people it will completely change people's jobs in the future and people's ways of living um and there just needs to and these giant businesses and companies just need to create like there needs to be a huge shift really soon so we can avoid this kind of like tipping point you're talking about in like the next few decades and like it needs to happen really fast but i think that will be really difficult because it's kind of so ingrained in like every part of our lives yeah 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 i agree what about you sinclair what do you think yeah like i completely agree with charlotte but i think we need to work with these organizations instead of fight for them if we really want action to happen quickly but i guess crunch i just think we need more universal and global like shared action from all the different governments of the world like we've we've sort of seen that with covid like we've never been hit with something like a pandemic before of this scale yet we're sort of controlling it now through different like uh pieces of global action and i just think in the future there are we have in some ways passed a breaking point of what's reversible and some of the effects that are going to happen in the next five and ten years are inevitable and that's really sad but i really want to see some of the like more developed countries like the US, Britain, Germany, helping with countries like Bangladesh, LICs, who are the most vulnerable to the impacts and just providing resources so they can mitigate uh, the great risks they face. Yeah, I think, you know, as I said before, the interconnectedness of everything uh, and the fact that this is such a global issue, it's, it's no one country's role now to to fix this this is everybody has to be involved and i think this is why you know november and cop 26 is going to be such an important time because you know in theory it's crunch time we've had um governments putting forward ideas for how they want to reduce their carbon um, footprints in the future but really these are the proposals supposedly in november that actually start leading us to net zero um and so far, the, most of the proposals have fallen short of where they need to be. So is what they put forward in November going to be enough across the world for it to make that difference? And, and as you said, Charlotte, that the societal shift that we're going to need is massive. And it is really tricky because it is so ingrained in society and, and the way we live, particularly in, in the sort of more more developed countries. Um, and how do we get away from that? And as Sinclair says, 
maybe working with some of these massive corporations to make that shift happen in a way that is manageable for them um, is maybe a way of making it happen quicker um, than possibly fighting against them. But who knows? It may be that we we have to do that in the end in order to make it happen. But it's really, really complicated. Um, So greatest hopes for the future, Charlotte? (laughs) Um, I guess that we can avoid passing like more tipping points and more points of which there are kind of like no return, kind of like Sinclair was talking about. And the fact that you know like all the kind of um giant glaciers glasses i never know how to say that anyway (laughs) that they're not all melting and releasing more methane and um gases but will just increase heating the earth up um so i guess i just hope that we aren't like because it all seems too little too late especially with cop 26 and so many countries actually even within a pandemic when there's very little kind of where we have reduced emissions to a certain extent there's still so much more that could be done and it's frustrating to see this lack of action and i just hope we can avoid passing the next tipping point because we don't really know when we have or haven't but yeah 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 Uh, what about you sinclair greatest hope i know you can't really rely on innovation but when times get tough usually the scientists like pull up and they are they can really create some insane stuff. Like they created a vaccine in under a year. And I think it's very exciting, but you also have to be careful at the same time, like electric cars and lithium batteries, you have to be careful about them because lithium really can't be recycled. And that in itself is a whole problem, which is gonna be massive in the future, but it's just kind of, I feel like sometimes we're just looking for short-term solutions for the next five to 10 years, but really we need to be thinking in the long-term kind of in the next 50 or 100 years because every every little thing we do now is going to have an even greater impact in the future and we need to be able to measure that. Yeah, I think, you know, that that's a real issue. That, that short-termism is something that human beings are really, really good at. Um, you know, governments suffer from that enormously because they're looking, you know, to the next four or five years at the most um, before they get elected again or not. Um, so if they're going to do anything that makes a difference, it generally happens in the first couple of years um, when they can sort of send the dust flying everywhere and then they want it all to settle down for the next couple of years so that they still stand a chance of getting elected and all that kind of thing. Um but yeah, I mean, the, going back to a point you made earlier uh, at COVID and what the world has done with that, you know, that it was a massive, massive crisis. Um, and in a very short time, really, we've tackled it um, because, as you say, science has, has got in there. They've done some amazing things with vaccines and we're getting on top of what was a really desperate situation. Um, maybe what the world needs to realise is that the climate change that is happening now and that we've stored up to happen is also a desperate situation and we've really got to do something about it. Um, and if the world can unite around that, then maybe we can really make that that change that we need to do. Um, so um, thinking about uh, your your time with YPT so far, and I know it's not been very long for particularly you, for you, Sinclair, but it's not been a huge amount of time for you either, Charlotte. What do you find most enjoyable about being a young trustee of YPTE? Um, 
I've really enjoyed attending the meetings and like being a, like being on a Zoom meeting with loads of other people who are really passionate about kind of climate change and educating young people. And it's also been really interesting to kind of see how charities work and like what kind of goes on behind the scenes and how they're run and organised. I mean, lots of stuff like the financial stuff, I don't really understand, but it's very interesting to know <laughs> how it's like working. Um, yeah, that's been really good. And also being able to find out more about other projects um, and get involved with those. And it's just like a great platform and charity to be involved with as a young person. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. That's really nice to know. Sinclair, what about you? As you said, I haven't been involved for very long, but so far the opportunities that like Peters and YPT is kind of like offered have been incredible. Like I'm already trying to work with like Sustainably First to integrate um, green, like sort of green eco-friendly material into the curriculum. And I'm going to be communicating with different education coordinators at the BBC. And I really like Charlotte's point about being in an environment where you're with loads of other people who also share the same passion about you with you yeah yeah that's that's really cool so so off the back of that would you recommend other young people should try doing it as well yes <laughs> yeah 100 yeah brilliant okay um it's not that simple or straightforward to become a young trustee of ypt it's fairly simple and straightforward but um what you have to do is to first of all uh, get in touch with us and ask if you could become a young trustee and basically it's a simple process you have to send us a letter uh, explaining why you'd like to be a young trustee and a copy of your cv and we realize because you'll be a young person aged between 16 and 18 at the oldest you're not going to have a massive cv but that's fine we just like to know the kind of things that you've been up to um and yeah if you get in touch we then go through a bit of a process uh which will involve meeting you probably online uh, at, at a trustees meeting um and uh then the trustees decide there's there's two groups of people you see there's the young trustees and there's the the trustees uh i won't say the old well, i just did uh the old trustees we don't call them that uh, but there are the young trustees as well and the uh the trustees are the ones who kind of make a lot of the decisions for the organization um young trustees really can influence a lot of the things that go on with the organization and what we like to do you know myself and the trustees is we really like to open the platform out to young trustees so that they can get their opinions across they can give us their advice you know often they've got better ideas for getting in touch with young people because they're young people themselves than we have um and that's been really really helpful and you know we've had young trustees since 2013 it for ypte and they're getting more and more helpful as time goes on um, and doing so much more for the organisation, which is absolutely brilliant um, because we need those, you know, young people who are really keen to be involved with the, the charity because it's what it's all about. And the more you guys can help us reach other young people, uh, the better it is really for everybody. Um, OK, advert over. Um, and <laughs> now um, we've got a slightly, well, a more, more trivial sort of set of um, questions uh, to lighten the mood a bit because it's been quite climate changey and a, a little bit kind of um, dark and deep at, at times. But um, Charlotte, what's your favourite animal and why? Um, I really like spider monkeys because they Ooh. can like swing from trees and stuff. And it's quite like nice watching them. <laughs> yeah, it's like so I watched quite a few videos and I think I saw them first on a documentary and how they kind of 
swing from different branches and they can like cover a really massive distance from like one tree to the next tree um yeah i just think they're really cool <laughs> brilliant okay that's a nice one and um sinclair what about you favorite animal and why mine are also monkeys but uh, finger monkeys which are like literally the size of your finger and they're like miniature really small fluffy dogs but sadly you are they're illegal to buy yeah 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 i mean monkeys as pets i don't know it's not not something (laughs) yeah it's not something i'd want to entertain i find a dog complicated enough um but uh yeah i mean (laughs) they are uh, amazing to watch i think all sorts of different species of monkeys are just so fascinating Uh, their range of facial expressions is is so close in many ways to humans um and that's something you know i think that we can all really relate to um and we can understand in a way how we are kind of related in a distant way to these amazing creatures um okay next question is there a a place in the world that you'd really like to visit and what obviously post-covid in a while perhaps unless it's in the uk in which case soon you'll be able to um but is there a place you'd really like to visit charlotte um, I don't know if I can say a place I've already visited, but yeah, um, you can if you like. Okay. If it was if it was amazing, you can do that. Yeah, um, I'd like to revisit the Lake Districts again because it's just a really amazing place to be. Um, I, like the like all the like the woodlands and the mountains and there's like amazing nature there, and also like being where kind of Beatrix Potter made all the um, <laughs> illustrations and animals. It's just a really great place, and it's really because it's you know well so well protected as kind of like a national park um it's just a really good place to be for in terms of like conservation the amount of animals that are around yeah yeah i mean i love the lake district it is um an amazing place to go i mean tends to be a bit wet that's the only thing i'd say there's a lot of rain there those lakes aren't there for nothing um but it is yeah absolutely stunning um being there and there are so many fantastic sites um that you can see there you know i've been on coniston water in a canoe and we actually went to um the island that um was kind of the feature in swallows and amazons landed on that island um and had a look around it and it was just yeah it's, it's a really cool inspiring place to be um and yeah I and mean, fortunately it's a place you'll be able to go quite soon as well i think because the restrictions should be lifted for you know traveling to the northwest quite soon i think what about you sinclair traveling outside the uk i'd say egypt is a place ah. i definitely want to visit because i'm obsessed with the ancient world i find it so fascinating and just like the scale of the pyramids mm-hmm. is just insane and in how they built them like two thousand years ago and like of course all aliens built them blah 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 but like of course they didn't but it's just kind of getting a glimpse of that life um because it's still restored like um it's still kept so well and just being able to like stand uh where like people 2000 years ago stood is just incredible yeah yeah i think one of the most amazing things about the pyramids is the way that each one of those blocks was was actually carved by hand and then brought to that place from somewhere else um which yeah. you know i mean in today's terms would be not that difficult perhaps but back then with the simple tools and just literally manpower to do it and nothing else absolutely incredible um yeah i spent i haven't been to egypt but i spent some time um when i was at university in tunisia doing an archaeological dig there and that was a roman sort of era um site but absolutely amazing place to be 
um, just excavating, you know, Roman baths and a cemetery, um, weeding a load of mosaics that had been uncovered the year before. And you know, if you imagine what it's like trying to pull grass out of a patio, um, and then you make the slabs about a centimeter square um, and have thousands and thousands of them, that's what it was like. Um, but yeah, I mean, brilliant place to visit, and hopefully the restrictions will be lifted at some point in the next. You know, coming you know coming months or years and you'll be able to get there and um see what you know those amazing pyramids um okay do you have any advice for young people who are wanting to make the world a better place charlotte um i think maybe kind of starting with not to feel guilty because i feel like there's a lot of pressure on young people especially when you're being told oh you're the future you're going to solve this um and I think it's really kind of easy to say, oh, young people will sort it out, it's okay. Um, and it can make you feel quite guilty sometimes that you haven't done enough. And Or even if you just don't have resources or money to actually make consumer choices that are sustainable or ethical, because most teenagers can't. Um, so don't not to feel guilty and to get involved with kind of online action with like petitions and social media, um, because they are really important, especially in the run up to COP26. Um, when the UK is going to be kind of like an environmental focus and the government is actually listening. So doing petitions are really helpful. Um, and then also just kind of like targeting your school because your school doesn't really have a choice, but they kind of have to listen to you. So at least <laughs> there's, a, there's a place where you can actually um, make an immediate difference if you kind of talk to your teachers um, and do something there. And just talking to friends and family in general, because you'll have a better kind of outreach and it can make a like knock on effect and encourage a lot of other people to take environmental action because they might have the tools that you don't to make those kind of sustainable choices. Yeah. Okay, cool. And any advice from you, Sinclair? I think setting yourself just personal goals, but make sure they're achievable and realistic, but also tough. One could be like, for example, like we talked about earlier, limiting your meat consumption. Maybe if you're eating it even every other day, limit that to one day a week and then slowly start to get away from it. And then another thing is for maybe anyone listening who goes to a private school or has been giving like some great opportunities. I think you have the privilege of going to such a great school, but make sure that you're doing something with this privilege. And you've been given a head start of a lot of other people and I think it, um, you really need to be working hard and be nice to people because you have more power than a lot of people to do great things uh, because 99% of the people in the rest of the world haven't been given the opportunities at birth, which are pretty much just handed to you. So people maybe in my situation or other situations who already have these opportunities, make sure you're just not you know, messing around and make sure like you're focusing in school and you're doing what you love and you know just um, giving back to the people i think that's absolutely terrific advice and it's it's really great to hear you kind of realizing the the, the privileged position that you're in and that you really want to make use of that um rather than just thinking hey this is this is nice for me um i think that's that's really brilliant and charlotte yeah your your point about young people not feeling guilty i think is a really good one as well um because yeah as you say there's some some young people don't necessarily have the power to be able to do all that much 
about it with the, the circumstances that they're in so it's really finding that balance between you know if you if you're able to do a lot then do it um and you know for, for you I, I think those those suggestions about petitions are really good as well that you know you can get online there are lots of things that you can interact with there and you know add your voice to various different um calls for action on environmental issues and i think that's that's a really important thing that young people can really get involved with very easily um okay have you got any other thoughts that you wanted to share with us before um before we finish become a young trustee (laughs) that's a good i like that (laughs) charlotte you got anything or um i don't think so just um don't feel guilty whatever your circumstances are because this was the world you like arrived in you like you can only do what you can do so don't like blame yourself for not having different opportunities or things to do just make the most of what you've got (laughs) yeah yeah well and you know definitely with stuff like climate change i mean whilst it's going to be your your problem to kind of fix it it certainly wasn't a problem of your creation um you know it wasn't your generation that that started the whole thing off um and you know it, it is unfortunately going to be something that is facing future generations for a, a while to come just tackling the whole climate crisis but um but yeah i mean it's something that i think young people are really passionate about i mean talking to you two you can really see that and with the other young trustees as well they are they're so so dedicated to the idea of of doing something that will make a difference and that will help um and i know that there are many thousands of other young people like you out there you know there there are quite a few old people like me as well um who are also um sort of you know really really trying to make that difference and to to change the way that the world is and the way the world operates um because it has to change for the future it can't we can't carry on the way we're doing at the moment it's not going to work we have to adapt and there are all sorts of little adaptations you can make those sort of reasonable targets that you might set yourself are a really good idea Sinclair as well that you know you set things that uh maybe hard but that also you know you can do um there's no point in setting out with right i'm gonna i don't know save the rainforest today um because that's not going to happen no one person can do that but you can do things like limiting your consumption of meat or not buying as many clothes or when you buy a device thinking you're not going to do the next upgrade of that device for another three to five years or something like that rather than falling into that upgrade path and you know that suggestion you made earlier about um, learning how to fix things and learning how to change parts and things to you know maybe make an old thing better for the future rather than having to just buy the latest new shiny one Um, that's also a really really good idea so it's been really lovely talking to you today Um, and you know it's it's great to have done this and I I hope you two have enjoyed this little chat as well Um, and uh, cool so thanks very much for for doing it and we'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks at the next trustees meeting Um, but for now Sinclair and Charlotte thank you very much my name is Peter I'm director of the Young People's Trust for the Environment and uh, that's it from us thank you bye on the YPT podcast today young trustees Charlotte and Sinclair were talking to YPT's director Peter Littlewood if you want to find out more about the Young People's Trust for the Environment please visit ypte.org.uk 
You can follow us on Twitter at YPTE and on Facebook and Instagram via We Are YPTE. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.